We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. You have myself, Alex, Charlotte and Cy. This is our 15-game slash half-season review of Newcastle United's season so far. What a season it has been. Quite unbelievable performance from the team, from the club, from the players, from the fans, from everybody, particularly Eddie Howe and Mad Dog Tyndall. We're going to talk about that today and really get into what we think has happened and why and what might happen What might happen next. Uh, brief reminder from us, we're on Patreon. Yes, it's the World Cup. We're going to cover that a little bit on Patreon, but mostly we're going to cover Newcastle United during this mid-season break. So if you're missing your Newcastle United fix, apart from these free podcasts, come and join us on there to talk about pretty much what we're talking about in this podcast and much more. It starts from £3 a month for ad-free, ad-free podcasts. Come and join us. Sai, in some discussions that we had building up to doing this podcast, you talked about one of the key things for you this season has just been how enjoyable support Newcastle United has been, particularly in terms of match day experience. Yeah, I mean, it would be really easy. It is really easy to say, oh, well, you know, Newcastle win all the time now, so it's obviously much, much better, which it is. That is that is true. It's much e- easier to support a team that, that wins all the time, like literally all the time. You go to every match expecting expecting result, and that is how it's been certainly for the last two or three months. But I would say from the moment Eddie Howe took over, the match day experience changed. And that's not just um, it's not just the results. The football came over time and the football got much better, much better. But it was the it was the endeavour and it's become a bit of a a bit of a cliche, but it's the team turning up and trying and trying to win football matches. Early on we weren't always winning football matches. Um we, we still took some humblings under Eddie Howe in the in the first few months, but the team is going out on the pitch and given everything, there's an obvious game plan to try and win football matches and it's just like it's there's a system, there's tactics, and it's just such an enjoyable thing to to witness this football team in action. Um, and it's 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 hard work. It's it's all through hard work. Now, that that is the 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 release that came after um after Bruce left and after after the takeover was obvious, and and the stadium has become a once again very happy place, and the all the division and negativity that was around the club seemed to vanish overnight, and it was a party atmosphere for. 15 to however many home games we had left last season there was a party atmosphere pretty much everyone now now that we're good now that we're, we're consistently winning every game that there are some negative impacts to the to the change in the atmosphere you know you, you are going to get that what some people call expectation um i would probably call it optimism and hope in, in terms of you just you go and you, you're, you're hoping for a win you, you're not expecting maybe but there's this, it's because you believe it can happen um, whereas before there was there was no expectation because there was no belief that Newcastle would win against anybody, never mind Chelsea, um, etc. Uh, so it's yeah, it's there are negatives in terms of that you can't go into 
Whereas previously, a home match against Bournemouth or Villa or Crystal Palace, relegation six-pointer, the crowd's up for it. It's massive. This season, it was a bit different. You are going to get to half-time, and if we're not winning, you're going to have some grumbles. You're going to have some um, disappointment in the atmosphere. And I think that's fine, because it would be silly. You know, if we're, if we're cheering and going mental because we get a corner at home to Bournemouth, at this point in our in our kind of turnaround, it does look a bit silly. So I can understand that. But I think um, ultimately... Um, it's uh, the, the 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 wider unity that has happened, um, and the fact that there's there's no like infighting in the stands anymore. There's no kind of the match day experience. Everyone's in the pub talking about it. There's no disagreements about what the team should be. You know, some people have ideas, but whatever comes out, nobody's saying why has he done that, why has he picked him. It's just kind of like okay, here we go. I reckon that team's going to win. And then you get to the ground, and it's like I was so used to people grumbling and, and kind of not not taking an active interest in what's going on in the pitch. And my best my best kind of point for how different it is now compared to 12 months ago is is how we react to the referee now a year ago if we'd if, if the ref gives a dodgy call it gives a free kick and and i kind of think oh well it probably it probably is a free kick i'm just standing there saying to you dodds i saying to ben i that's probably a free kick because you just don't care and you don't think that that i didn't think that steve bruce's newcastle deserved any look from the ref so i didn't care whereas now even if it's an absolute blatant foul by fabian share I'm screaming at the ref, and so are fifty thousand others. Like it's it's one unison crowd going mental at the referee and getting up for it because we care and we want that we think that team deserves that edge, regardless of whether the referee's correct or not. That's the kind of the biggest change for me is how unified everyone is in every decision and willing every player. And it's just that I, I don't know I don't know why I've dwelled on the, the referee thing, but I noticed that most <laughs> against Chelsea, it's like even if the, the even if the decision was spot on everyone's going mental because we all we're all on the same side now and that it just wasn't like that before very few of those decisions by the ref at chelsea were spot on well true (laughs) (laughs) um i totally agree with you it's it's so much fun now i've said it a few times on podcasts it's such a fun time like the pubs are full of people who actually want to go and not just stay in the pub till five to three or whatever time um people are like in the club shop before people are getting there really and taking photos outside the ground um there's smiles on faces and yeah there aren't as many grumblings there aren't as many like people still go in a bit early at half time for their drinks and their toilets but like they're not they're not going in at like 35 minutes thinking oh, i'll just watch whatever's happening on the little screen in the, on the concourse it's it's to, it is there's been a total shift and it's it's for like fun I just keep saying it I love going um it doesn't feel like a chore anymore it doesn't feel like I don't know why I'm doing this and I think one of the things you mentioned there Sai about like you, the team sheet comes out an hour before and you're not thinking like why the hell has he done that we've we're starting to trust the manager we're starting to trust what's going on at the club it's like and I'm sure we'll talk about this it's still it's that's still quite new for us because that was sort of beaten out of us over the last 14 years yeah. so or, you know 14 years prior um that 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 still feels like something's going to be ripped from underneath us and and everybody's going to point and laugh but I think people are starting to understand that this isn't just fluke, it's hard work, it's skill, it's graft, which is also hard work. (laughs) (laughs) It has to be said twice. I don't know, like, it's it's different. Very different indeed, and you both raised some really, really good points. On, On going to the match, there is something 
very positive to me about knowing that for years St James's Park was a great away day for away fans. Now Newcastle as a city is a fantastic away day. I'm sure I probably think there isn't a better one in terms of what the city offers. Yeah, the seats are really really high, but you know that's that's not the main thing. But but also like lots and lots of these fans who've come to St James's Park this season will all have happy memories. Mm. Like, like Chelsea fans have got even though even though to us we've had a strong record against Chelsea at home. But in the last ten years, Chelsea have won by three twice. They've you know they've won by several goals. Other times, um, Man City fans I know drew the game, but they they've just you know St James's Newcastle away is their favourite game of the year because they would always win at a canter. No longer, no yeah. longer. Every single away fan now is thinking, "Oh for fuck's sake, Newcastle away!" Like it's like we'll do so well to get anything out of that. And I I, I really really get a buzz off that because having travelled away from home to watch Newcastle for for many many years. Um, there's always that feeling and it happened this season when, when we got closer to Old Trafford I went into that game convinced we'd win but when I got closer to the ground I started to doubt more and more so many bad memories do I have of, of watching Newcastle <laughs> concede goals in that ground that is what it's going to be like now you know when Brentford come to back to St James's next season assuming they stay up which sounds like they will but you know that's eight goals have conceded in two years here probably the worst in the league it's probably worse than at Man well it will be worse than Man City because they beat Man City at the weekend so I really, really like that these little psychological edges that we're getting that we haven't had in a generation, we haven't had since the early 2000s, are now starting to be built again. And you can win games in the long run just on those things, just on that kind of psychological thing. There's a reason that Newcastle went 30 years without winning at Old Trafford, haven't won at Anfield in the league since 1994. Liverpool in that time have had bad teams. Liverpool in that time have had teams that have been worse than Newcastle teams. But there's when it when you go so long... Particularly as fans, but also I imagine players as well. When you go so long without winning somewhere, you almost start to think it's impossible. When you go into a game, any game, and this is this is Chelsea's problem last weekend. When you go into a game thinking a draw is a great result, you've almost lost already. It's going to take a huge amount to to compete toe to toe with the opposition and the opposition fans. When you know that the other team battering you, but you getting a point out of the game is almost a win. We have been in that position so many times. Yeah, we were we? that team. We were that like, team for years yeah. and and no longer. And I absolutely fucking love that. And and more misery to come for anyone who's not us. That's that's <laughs> my motivation. Just yeah, on on uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant point. But um on the on the subject of, of, of misery, I was just kind of reflecting on um especially on on, on Saturday when we, me and you and, and, and Ben um were out quite early for the game, you know, we got we got to enjoy the city pre match because it's a five thirty kickoff. But um, just generally speaking, you know, for years, if I if I was going to a game under Steve Bruce or dare I say even Benitez, you know, I, I was very fond of Benitez. But there's only so many times you could go to the match and enjoy five at the back and having one shot and being pleased about it. Like it was, it was a tough watch at times, albeit we understood why. I would still make an effort to go to the pub for a couple of hours beforehand because I needed to to make that game less brutal to watch. Now you want to go to the pub beforehand because it just puts everyone in an even better mood than they already are. And I've noticed how much busier things are. Like I was amazed that anyone was going to the match sober under under Bruce or, or, <laughs> or Benitez over the last 14 years because it was so hard to watch. But now people are making that extra effort. People are getting into the city an hour early. All the cities are bouncing. And that's testament as well to, to a successful Newcastle. And the, the joy in the city and the, and the buzz around the whole place, both before, during and after the game. Because I'd imagine even during the game, the pubs were for, where people haven't got tickets are bouncing as well. I haven't seen that yet because I've been in the, in the ground most of the time. But it is one of those things I, I, I'll go to 
I'll go to work on a Monday morning. Everyone's been watching the game somewhere, even the ones that haven't been at the matches. They're not just watching it at home on a stream anymore. They're making the effort to go to the pub or go to the club to, to watch it because they want to be part of something, part of an atmosphere that is watching Newcastle. And um, I think we've spoken for years about how a successful Newcastle United is so good for the city. And we're already seeing the evidence of that. Like all these pubs must be doing a, a roaring trade on match day that they, they probably can't remember what it was like before. So yeah, it's just the whole thing. Newcastle United in a home game has become an event for the city and we get 19 a year now. It's not even, um, it's not even people like people from work that I work with that aren't even Newcastle fans sitting up and paying attention oh you had a good result at the weekend that yeah. was good wasn't it i'm like yeah that's right <laughs> got a, got a few sunderland fans in there so obviously i'm buzzing um what league are they in by the way i don't pardon? follow what league are they in these days i'm not familiar with anything <laughs> lower than the premier league um but what i was also going to say was how lush is this for you know you were saying sai that that Sometimes you had to drink to watch Benitez's team, and and you understood why it was the way that it was, but it was, you know, still pretty turgid sometimes, most of the time. Um, how lush for like your eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-olds who didn't have not have grown up with Ashley. Basically, it was yeah. what five, six, younger when he took the club over to. To, I know that I know that they're not like idiots who have never watched other football before, and they know that other football, co- other ways of playing can be done. But like for them now to be seeing this and to see the city like t- come alive, it is. I, I'm like I'm not going to pretend to understand youth. I'm a hundred years old, <laughs> but I'm so happy that these people get to like don't have don't have the cynicism that we've all had and they've probably had. It's, it will start to be chipped away now. I hope. 100% we we had we've always it's been crap for a long long time but we've always been able to say well at least there was I, I enjoyed the Pardew European season mm. you know we had Robson when we were a bit younger I, I had memories of class football at St James's Park but you're right Charlotte there's a generation that's coming through that won't have any memories of class football at mm. Newcastle and now they're getting it so you're absolutely right I'm I'm a little bit jealous uh, that they're, they're coming into their prime as we get this mint, and I feel really old. But at the same time, it's 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 class. We're there was, babies, there was a generation of Newcastle fans about to be lost, and and they've been they've been recaptured. Totally. Yeah, one of the most positive things I've heard this season uh, came from a fellow trust board member, Michael, and he works uh, in various local schools, and he said that you know this year is the first year school year where once again everyone. At the school and the playground is wearing Newcastle tops or talking about Newcastle United. Class. Almost gone or Chelsea, Man City. Um, the the children of the North East are once again behind Newcastle United and that is crucial for the future. I know the club care about that very much and, and there's probably a long way to go and the only kind of caveat to what you're saying, Charlotte, I fully agree with you, is it is a massive problem now how to engage these younger fans by getting them into a ground yeah. which is packed and also has probably another 20,000, 30,000 people who would buy a season ticket if they could. Mm that the, the, there is one solution to it it's not a podcast for this podcast we're going to discuss on patreon over this break that what to do with tickets don't you points expand on the ground um but i think that'll do it now for part one we'll talk about the actual football after this after that little enjoyable 15 minutes almost back after these adverts you know what to do if you don't want to listen to the adverts but also get this show join us on patreon for three pound a month we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's talk about the football then, and I'll I'll start off. I think the most extraordinary stat of the season of my life, probably, is that Newcastle United have only been behind for 81 minutes. 81 minutes wow. so far this season. It is an absurd figure. Absurd. <laughs> It raises a lot of questions, and you know we are going to try and predict the future. That's what we're here to do for you people listening. But before we do that, I, I do want to say that I think we'll finish in the top four. I think we'll maybe finish third. Um, as we were just discussing beforehand, that's not too different from my preseason predictions. So surprised I'm not in terms of where we are in the league, but in terms of the level that we've been at, in terms of the fact that we've only lost one scandal of a game, in terms of the fact we've only been behind for 81 minutes. It does raise a lot of questions about the the fact that the team has been so good. We're untested. What are Newcastle like? Two 0 down away from home at half time. What are we like? <laughs> what are we like? One nil down at home on seventy. What kind of subs does Howe make? These are really positive things to not know about. But it, like when I see fans or people in the media, and I think it's, it's, there's a fairly general consensus because people don't still, in my opinion, people outside of Newcastle still don't really pay that much attention. Don't watch us very very often. Um, and there's there's a consensus that we'll drop for some reason I don't know why but we'll we'll drop uh, second half of the season and you know when we come back after the break we've got Leicester away which on form Leicester is one of the hardest games in the league at the minute sadly for us we've got Leicester away and then two games later Arsenal at home and there's there's two fixtures there that if you if you lose both of those not that I think we will but if you lose both of those and it gives the the chasing pack the Liverpool's the Chelsea's the Man United's a bit more of a chance to catch you. Um, but but there is a sense of kind of we have been tested because we've we've played everyone in the league apart from West Ham who are very poor at the minute, Leeds who are very poor at the minute, uh, Arsenal and Leicester Leicester in great form despite a terrible start and Arsenal are the best team in the league currently. So we've seen what the rest of the league has got to offer us, um, and there isn't anything. And you'd include our three hardest games, four hardest games, Man U and Spurs away. I've done four points in the bag. And then you've got Liverpool away and Man City away, where there was one point. Probably should have been four, maybe six at a massive push, but definitely four points from that, I think, is not unreasonable to say. There just isn't that much out there. So even though Newcastle haven't been tested 2-0 away from home or down to 10 men or anything like that, I just feel like the rest of the league is just not up to to our standard in in many areas. Now, the key one, of course, from that is the defence. Newcastle have the possibly still or, or the best defensive record in the league at the minute. That's you know that isn't going to change. That's not going to get worse. 
it, it potentially, because this is Eddie Howe, is only going to get much, it can't get much better, but it's only going to get better. So I, I'm I'm really, really, really enthused um, about the second half of the season and continuing this good form. I don't really understand that, even amongst some Newcastle fans, and it's not negativity, giving an opinion on the football, it's not negative. People are saying, we're definitely going to finish seventh now. We're not going to finish seventh. You know, we're, we're not going to finish seventh. And yes, seventh still represents European football. We are not going to finish seventh this season. It is, it is Unless there was some sort of catastrophe that I don't even want to think about, we are not going to finish seventh this season. We're going to finish higher than seventh, and we look like one of the four best teams in the league. I don't know if you guys agree, disagree. Some, like, salty other podcast listen, like other teams going to clip that of you and then if something terrible happens they're going to be like these idiots uh, but nothing terrible is going to happen I agree with you I don't think we're going to finish seventh I don't think on this form how can we yeah. y- you are right something catastrophic could happen some terrible injury or you know some like I don't like Bruno could leave you know it right. won't happen but yeah I mean it, I, I, there's there's not generally that much activity in the January window um to like it, it that level he's not going to go in January right okay his head might be turned in the summer but I doubt he's going to leave us any day I don't want him to ever leave um but yeah I I think even if one of our star players left we've enough to to continue this run of form you know you think we thought oh we're doomed when we had a few injuries at the beginning of the season and yeah okay we didn't we didn't start winning straight off the bat but that's the point. You see the um, the the evolution of the players and how how <laughs> is working with them and Mad Dog Tyndall and the rest of them. Graham Jones, even uh, you know, credit where credit's due. He's part of that team. Um, he's working with them. He's making them better. Jacob Murphy looks like a different player. Um, you don't sigh when he's on the team sheet. You're not like, oh god, when he when he gets subbed on, you think, brilliant. Like, let's see what he can do. Um, Joe Willock's now turned into a scoring machine. Maybe that's a bit hyperbolic, TF word, if you've got your bingo card out. Um, but his confidence is up there. Miggy, like, all these players. So I don't want any of our star players to go. I think what we've got is a very, very... Um, I w- I'm very protective of this, like, team and the the camaraderie and, and where they're at sort of mentally together. But I still I would still back us. Even if even if something happened, I think that's exactly it. Early in the season, we were um, getting results with loads of key players missing. Uh, you know, there's times when Wilson was injured. There's times when when Bruno wasn't in the team, um, and we were on these podcasts regularly saying, "Well, just wait. I can't believe what we're going to be like when all the players are fit." And we got to see that for the last few weeks, didn't we? Basically, the fully fit team, no Saint Max, but he doesn't get in that team at the minute because of how good everyone's been playing and the aforementioned players. Um, the World Cup is going to disrupt that. That's the only thing. But yeah. Um, fully fit Newcastle is is the third best team in the league, and, and that, that's 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 a fact. That's not just. Um, I spoke to Craig Hope this week on on our Patreon podcast about it, and it's like these aren't streaks. It's not like we've we've picked up the odd surprise result. Like you, you listed off all the teams we've we've got results against and should have got more from. It's everybody. It's it's not just like the odd the odd good performance. It's literally every team we've played all everyone except Arsenal in the top six and probably deserved a result from all those games. One scandalous last minute, well, sorry, three minutes after the last minute um, <laughs> winner against Liverpool is, is the only thing that, that stopped us. Um, the the big thing for me is that um, what, what you said at the start there is that, we, yeah, we're definitely guaranteed seventh. And it's so nice that 
that we're saying that instead of like looking at the league table and say at what point are we guaranteed not to be relegated not to be in the relegation conversation like come april we'll be working out mathematically if we've guaranteed europe not mathematically if there's (laughs) if there's what the fixtures need to be the results need to be to not get relegated and it's that's a totally different um concept for me because of how long it hasn't been the case but yeah i we've said it before i would be disappointed with seventh now um and it would take some monumental problems to occur which could happen again the world cup could really disrupt us or there could be injuries or there could be someone someone gets turned if the club decide to accept a ludicrous offer for one of these mint players it could still happen you know they're not they're not immune to to a big club bigger club to still come and take one of our best players are there any (laughs) but going back to the point about the injuries you're right charlotte i think we could endure that um and and stay on course and eddie howard find a way and we we've seen how well he's using fringe players and players that aren't getting much minutes and they're still coming at the team and doing a job and they're still coming at the team and contributing and buying into the philosophy so it's really hard to see as we say every week who the fuck is going to beat Newcastle United it's lush isn't it it's that it goes back to that trust thing we're starting to trust you know you still there's still a part of me that thinks like oh god is that a stupid thing to say but actually like you know you just have to trust you get into relationships with people because you, you just have to throw caution to the wind and, and trust that this is this is it and if it doesn't work out okay we'll we'll deal with that when we deal with that but i'm starting to trust that we're just class <laughs> and that's the thing about you know trusting the team to win the fixtures no longer do you look at the fixture list and, and, ever, and ever think god where we're going to pick up points from and you know, we, we talked a lot on the podcast, particularly after that Bournemouth game, when we talked about, you know, Bruno was back against Bournemouth, I think, but only managed 55 minutes and clearly wasn't fit. You know, Wilson was due back, ASM was due back. Um, and we, you know, we looked at October in particular and, and even ran into November and ignoring the good teams we took four points off, Fulham, Brentford, Everton, Villa, Southampton. If you are a top side, you look at that list of how many games that is one, two, three, four, five, you look at that thing and you, and you think, okay, 12 points, 13 points. Well, we took 15. We took 15 points off the, those sides. So when I'm looking at the fixtures to come, you know, Leicester, hard game, but Newcastle are better than Leicester. I don't want to get all Leicester preview because we'll do that on Patreon close to the time, but that's <laughs> hard game, hard game. A point isn't a bad result, but such as Newcastle's form, I, I still think we can go there and win. Leeds at home, you'd expect, expect us to win and that sets up Arsenal really nicely. Who knows what's going to happen there? Beyond that, then in, in January, Feb, We've got Fulham, Palace, West Ham, and Bournemouth, and it just screams 10, 12 points. That's the beautiful thing, and that's why I don't see us dropping off from where we are currently. And this is also, there's something to consider January, Denny Cassie United bring in another superb first-team player. And I want to move us on to talk about the recruitment. It's, it's, not re- it's not maybe talked about enough, I don't think, by us as well, how absolutely sensational the recruitment's been at Newcastle United. I remember speaking to an old friend of mine, um, he's called Rafa Benitez. He wasn't <laughs> my friend, just got to speak to him sometimes from the championship. And he was saying, if 50% of your transfers come in and nail down a first team place for a season, he was happy with that. Because the transfer market, particularly when buying players from abroad, was so difficult to get the right player for the right position in the right club. And, and you know, Rafa would always talk about which is natural, but in the football world, we don't think about this. 
you know, do their kids settle at school? Does the wife enjoy the local area? Mm. Can they pick the language up? Do they pick the culture up? Do they miss home? Do, are they are they getting on the plane every other weekends, trying to fly back to 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 their to what to their home? And are they bonding with teammates? Are they integrating to the group? It's not just a football matter. It's this is a human being, and if and if those things don't happen, you will see it on the pitch. And that I think that's all true. Yet every single player Newcastle United have signed, every single one. And it's too early for Isaac, and he's had injuries. Has just it's it's been ten out of ten. Maybe the only one you probably say is Matt Target, but Matt Target was essential last season. It Matt Target and Chris Wood did the jobs they were brought in to do, and now both still contribute. They're both getting minutes still. Yeah. They're both starting games when they've got to start games. So I would class them as massive benefit or, or you know massive transfers as well. Newcastle and Eddie Howe and whoever is above him working on this have a 100% record in the transfer market. And amongst all the other stuff, that's remarkable as well. You know, to, to bring in Sven Botman... Oh, my God. At his age, after not getting him in January, and for him to perform like this as quickly as he has... And I, and I don't think he... He's another one. I don't think the plan was to play him. I, I think that it was going to be burn left-side centre-back, mighty target left-back, and that was the plan. And then inj- injury suspensions... Sven Botman's first change, but, you know, it's not just him, but for him to come in and do what he's done, as well as Bruno, and as well as Nick Pope, that spine of the team is, um, I, I, I don't want to say this, but it probably won't happen again. It could, it's, it's been so successful, it probably won't happen. Yeah. It can't go that well again. Yeah, it's so it's, unlikely, isn't it? It's just it? unbelievable. Yeah. Was it, was, did Marty Targan not like, get unwell, like some food poisoning? He's going to be regretting that Chinese takeaway so much because yeah. the, 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 the direction we went because he was unavailable. Uh, yeah, but I think what, you, what you're highlighting there is, is, is that the, the transfers have been so spot on that that competition is there now and you've, you've, you've got Dan Burney can play left back because we knew he was brought in with the ability to play both centre half and left back and he's got that versatility and the competition is such that if one of them's performing as well as Dan Byrne has been he takes that place but Mighty Target has got a job to do to try and get his, his spot back and we've also then got that depth for injuries because we know that he's capable and coming to the team because that's that's the next thing is um, the transfer window upcoming in January and I'm not necessarily expecting us to to go big on spending if, if the right deal's there as, as um, Craig Hope and others keep saying that the club will probably go for it but it's much more challenging now because you, there's no obvious deficiencies in that team that you can improve on easily. You know, buying Kieran Trippier because we had Javi Mankio and Emil Kraft as right backs is a no-brainer. Buying a centre half as good as Botman is a no-brainer. Buying Bruno as a midfielder, no-brainer. Like these players massively improve the team. Now it's really, really hard. You, you, like you say, Alex, it's a there's a lot of thought has to go in it. Is that player going to improve the team as well as being able to settle, as well as being the right character, as well as keeping the harmony of the waves, the, the wave, the, the wage structure? Mm. Um, it, it's going to be far more challenging in the transfer windows to come to maintain that level of success because there's a lot more things to to get right to continue to improve the team. Which is, I'm not saying I don't believe the club can do it. I just think that it's a it's a bigger challenge going forward because it's been and it's been done so well so far they've set themselves up a, a really high standard to, to maintain. The challenge we've got now is that this is the team, right? Our starting 11 is the team. Our, like, not starting 11, e.g. the team that played against Palace um, in the cup game, are not the team. And that's what we need to strengthen. So the transfer, if we are finishing top four, like we all sort of agree that we're going to, 
the challenge in the transfer market now is who is going to come in and be really good bench option, but also a really good option if we've got European games and we're using our like we really need top tier. It's it's a re- that's a really difficult thing to balance, and I don't know how you balance. How do you sell? You may, might not play every week, but you also might play in some European games or you might do that like it's a very difficult sell now I think because the caliber of talent that we need to keep our players fit for the league but also competing in Europe um I don't know I I don't know I'm not articulating it very well but I feel like that's where the transfer strategy now has to shift um and and sort of addressing sort of what are our deficiencies in the sort of second tier if you will and and how do we pad that out i agree and and you articulate it very well very well (laughs) but so i I do agree one thing i'll say is that palace team had elliot anderson john joe shelby and asm who who just hadn't kicked the ball whereas because europe is more regular those players players play more often and i still think john joe and asm are part newcastle's first 11 not everyone will agree um i think newcastle much better team with those two players fully fit and firing so that palace game i agree with you was tr- terrible <laughs> it was absolutely <laughs> terrible thank god we got through um and i can't wait for bournemouth at home on the 21st whenever it is 22nd yeah, um but playing more regularly will help keep those players better and therefore if those players are playing more regularly and are, you know if john joe plays unbelievably well at like benfica away on a tuesday um then he might he might be pushing for a start at I mean, who am I saying? Obviously, Benfica win a Tuesday, we play in the full-strength team, but um, I know what you mean, though, particularly if it is Europa League. Euro- Europa League and Champions League, there is a difference to the level of team yeah. you're always going to start because the difference to the level of competition that you come up against. These are kind of conversations for an end-of-season podcast, but I'm pleased you raised it now. But I do think that um, it's not as, you know, th- there will be an opportunity to say to anyone, and Eddie Howe, like Sia said, has proved this with Sven Botman, Dan Byrne, and Matty Target, if you come into this team and you play well, you ain't getting out of it don't care who's back mm. you keep your place and that that is not what used to happen under the previous manager i mean he changed the team so often that it was hard to know who was first choice and who wasn't they didn't but, know but, until but, they did like, press you know, conferences matty matty um, longstaff would come in be hiding against man city away uh, leicester away and liverpool at home play really well and then disappear off the face of the earth like that <laughs> won't happen under Eddie how yeah um it's it is it is a challenge it is a challenge because i, I think back to that palace game and, and you look at like have you I've never had a problem with Mankio, but what's he doing? Like, I never thought I'd see him again. Lascelles as well. They're, they're two positions that, that that's the kind of squad depth way we, you're talking about improving. I think one thing, we need to win the League Cup this year so we can just bin it off in, <laughs> going forward because we're not going to have any time for League Cups in future. Um, so, but yeah, the, the, the Champions League to, to to Premier League thing is is, is it would be far more challenging because you want to play your best team in all those games. So um, I suppose the, the, the flip side of it is you, you try and buy first team players who are as good as what we've got. And then it is, like you say, it's, it's competition. If one of them isn't cutting it, the other one plays. And, and that's how a, a good squad's supposed to work. And then you've got the likes of, um, I'll say Jacob Murphy, he, he, much maligned over, over the course of the season, but you've got other lads who will come in and do a job because they're buying it and they're trying, and they, their, their career will never get any better than it is right now playing for Eddie Howe's Newcastle. So having a, f- a few squad players like that that make up the numbers, but also probably help keep the the balance on the wage book and everything else um is is massive but yeah i i think i think the palace game was probably a bit a bit misleading in terms of we'd made one or two 
too many changes. Yeah. And it's it's coming a season where the, the Premier League fixtures were already congested and the World Cup was coming and we'd, we'd played four, uh, three Premier League games the previous week, I think, and then Chelsea to come at the weekend. So it was like, you just you needed to give the other lads a rest at that particular time. I don't think you would have done that otherwise. And I think the, the kind of players like Sven Botman and Bruno Gamaris, I can't see them not playing Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday in the Premier League. Like these, these are young, fit, brilliant players, and there will there will need to be a bit of squad addition around that. But I'm not, I'm not too worried that we won't we won't be able to manage that if we do get the top four, which we've pretty much taught ourselves into as part of this conversation. Absolutely. Charlotte, you want to talk about the progression slash evolution in our young boys into men? <laughs> boys to men. Great band. Um, yeah, we've all been told, haven't we? Evolution, not revolution. Well, it does feel a bit like revolution. It's been so quick. But um, yeah, what I wanted to talk about, and it, George Colkin actually wrote an article in um, The Athletic this weekend that sort of steals my point. Although, it's your I, point first. I don't know if you can say steals if he's already thought of it and written <laughs> it and published it, but <laughs> I'm calling it. He's stole it. Um, yeah, this well, his article's about the shithousery and, and how, you know, Newcastle's players are now like, you don't want to get on their wrong side. But I, I kind of want to, it's not just that, it, I guess it is that, but it's like, I want to track back even to last season under Eddie. You could, you started seeing it, you started seeing it in Joe Linton. Joe Linton was getting in fights. I mean, there was that Spurs game where he should have got red. He just went and like basically almost punched one of their players to the ground. Um this sort of like mentality shift in all of our players, which is like, and 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 Dan Byrne said it in this article, it's like us against the world kind of thing. I love that. I love watching it. It's a real, it's a real, it's it's like what Sai was saying at the top of the show about fans like saying to the ref, that's a shit decision. Like that's, we should have got that. We should like, even if we shouldn't, our players have that too. It's like, and we, we've been saying it, throughout podcasts in the season like if we make more of a fuss we get that free kick we get that penalty if we we get that checked on VAR because it's handball like and they've started to do that they've started to crowd the referee they've started to to like square up to other players and and you know Newcastle United again harking back to what you said before it's a hard place to come now it's a St James Park is a it's a great away day it's like but it's a hard place for it to come um and uh, and it's it's going to be a hard place to come for those players as well because they know that Newcastle United's players are just like turning into nasty, like aggressive men who are going to get in your head and like also in your face. And I just I've really enjoyed watching that. Not because I want people to fight or anything like that. It but it's the belief in self. It's the belief that that like what you do you think you can beat us you absolutely cannot like and here's why it's, it's a bit of a cliche isn't it the, the team spirit but they they really do have each other's back mm. and there's no better example of it than when uh anthony gordon uh kieran Trippier is getting in his ear and giving him a bit of stick so anthony he got the reaction he wanted yeah. anthony gordon kicks off and fabian share comes running across the pitch man handles him to the floor and like <laughs> the whole team then then bundles in to say what you, what do you think you're doing you do not mess with kieran Trippier. yeah and it's that kind of they're, they're, they're all they're all got each other's back um it's not like uh, again probably i, I don't want to compare specifically to a previous manager every time but just in, in different times where misplaced passes are met with like shrugs and they're looking at each other and there's this disharmony it's like what are you doing that for and the, if that was going on you just think 
players wouldn't wouldn't have piled in to to help that that teammate. Whereas they're all absolutely buzzing for each other. Like no one messes with with any of our lads, and and it's the, the, the support's the same. Like there's just such unity in the club um, that I just don't think you'll ever see that that the other side of it anymore. And, and again, it probably goes back to the transfer conversation a little bit. Is that I don't think Eddie Howe would let the club bring in anyone that would not be buy into that kind of philosophy and, and being part of that team. Great point. Absolutely love it. It's almost like a restoration rather than a revolution to what we used right. to be. If you, you think about Bobby Robson's team and you think about like Nikos Dabazas, Shea Given, Gary Speed, Alan Shearer, these are hard blokes that no one's going to mess with. Yeah. And, and then since then, we've not, while we've had good players, you know, not wanting to pick on anyone unfairly, but if, you know, if, if, if Danny Guthrie was in your midfield, you're like, you know, you, you'd fancy your chances as a fellow professional, not me, of course, you'd kill me. But it just feels like, as, as Mick Martin's always said, we've got a load of hard, nasty, fast, nasty bastard. skillful bastards in the team. That's what you want. <laughs> and, and Charlotte, you make you make the point very well. Um, these lads are not going to let people take anything from us without really giving them a game. And again, mm. you don't want to hark too much back to the past. But I'm going to again say, I look at us play Man City this season and the, the gap between Man City's resources and our resources is, is still astronomical compare us going at them this season to the kind of like remember that semi that quarter final in the FA Cup yeah. at home 2-0 when we had nothing to lose in lockdown and it was just like when we're not even going to make you bleed we're not going to make you sweat you can just as long as you only beat us by two we're happy and then Bruce comes out post game says he's delighted all that kind of bullshit which I need to try and forget that's the opposite these times it's like okay Man City you can come here you can have and Man City did have lots of chances against us but you're going to have to risk something, whether that be a couple of injuries, whether that be uh, some points and goals. You're going to have to risk something to beat us, and that's a, that's a tremendously positive thing. Just about does it, then. We may as well talk quickly for the future. What does it hold? Sai, you first. What you're saying, what we're doing in this final um, 22 games. Yeah, as we said earlier, unless some major catastrophe, and, and and I've said it a few times, I think the World Cup will disrupt us because of the momentum we had gained in the last month. And I think because the the energy and effort taken uh, to play the Eddie Howe way took a bit of time to come together. It was it was September time by the time we were really cooking on gas and, and playing the, the high-pressing, high-intensity football. And a month without competitive football might take something away from that. But a month where only five of the lads have gone to the World Cup a month where Eddie Prowell, Eddie Howe can look at the fixtures coming up and work out what we need to do to win each of those games. It's it's hard really to see us dropping off that much. We might drop off a little bit, but I can't see us dropping off to the point where we don't maintain the 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 trajectory we're on to, to finish in, in certainly the top six, but absolutely giving the best go at, at finishing the top four. Because as we've said on this podcast on a weekly basis, who is going to beat Newcastle? I don't think there's an answer to that question that, that comes out of out of nowhere without there being some catastrophe. So I think pretty much the same as. I think we'll, we'll, the, the, the League Cup game before Christmas will help us to see where we're at. Then come Boxing Day, I, I think there'll be two teams. There'll be a big contrast of, of who looks more prepared for to, to continue the Premier League season, and it'll be us. I honestly just think Eddie Howe's work ethic and the, the players have all off on their holidays this week, which they absolutely deserve, by the way, but I'm sure they'll be back in training, then off to Saudi, then you know training throughout the World Cup, the lads come back in, probably one of them holding a, a World Cup medal, Bruno maybe, um, and they'll just be a buzz again. And, and I think the break will also make that home crowd that we've talked about and those away ends even more spectacular because they'll have had a bit of time where, you know, 
with the craving of, of football. So I think that'll contribute to a really good festive period when it when it finally comes. So yeah, I just think that nothing's stopping this train. There was loads of it <clears throat> on uh, on my Twitter. At least my, my Twitter is pretty much just Newcastle United and me liking pictures of Beyonce and. Um, Loads of it yesterday, like, God, oh, I hate the weekend without Newcastle United. I hate the weekend without a Premier League game. To track back 12 months ago, you'd be like, oh, no, another game. <laughs> <laughs> I was so bored yesterday, by the way. Yeah, it was rubbish. What a terrible weekend it's been. <laughs> uh, in the controversial statement, um, I think Newcastle United could do with a little old Brazil exit in the quarters or something to, to bring Bruno home in good time. <laughs> Get him in against Bournemouth. That's the real World Cup final, for, for me anyway. Probably not him and... You know, I'd say definitely not him. 130 million other Brazilians, but um, <laughs> yeah, other Brazilians. Uh, I didn't know you were Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> How are we? Where are we going to finish, Charlotte, and why? Where are we going to finish, and why? Uh, I think we're going to finish fourth because we're class. Who's I finishing think. above where? Arsenal. Arsenal. Well. Oh, I meant. Sorry, I meant who's going to finish third? I should have rephrased. Oh that, right. Yeah. Um, uh, it's hard to answer, isn't it? It's a really hard one, and I'm only saying fourth because there's this is the old Newcastle cynicism. Oh, I only think we'll finish fourth. Um, maybe, th- maybe th- like Arsenal, Man City. I don't know who. I don't know who else would finish above us, actually. But I'm just, I'm just hedging a little bit. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. I, I'll go third. I okay. think we're better than the teams below us. Um, y- you'd expect Liverpool to do much better. In their final twenty-two, um, Man United are the kind of club who can who can buy massive again in January. Have mm. got the money, can can really bring in a, a top quality first team player. I mean, despite the fact that Man United have been by their standards rubbish for ages, and they've got all this Ronaldo stuff going on, they can just pick the best player in the World Cup in theory, who doesn't already play for a, another super club, and 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 bring them in. So that that's always going to be an issue. Spurs look shocked to me, and and, yeah. and and this is the thing where Spurs are only just behind us in the league, but winning. Winning in the 94th minute every week is not sustainable. And eventually that will catch up with them. Um, they've got play, you know, key players at the World Cup as well. A lot of their squad is. And then um, who else is there? Chelsea just... just Chelsea aren't going to finish above Newcastle this season. It's just simply not going to happen, despite the fact that they have the resources as well. I think Liverpool are probably the, the, the team we need to keep an eye on because they will get better. And they, they, you know, Jurgen Klopp is a good enough manager to, to get them back where they should be. It's... It's is it eight points though that we're above them or more? Yeah, no, it's about that. Yeah, about eight. Yeah, that's a lot to make up when Newcastle won't be yeah. losing They've any got football matches. Hand, but even if they won that, they'll be five points behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we won't lose any games, so it's a, <laughs> even for them to catch up is a big ask. But I think Liverpool are probably the most likely team to compete with us in that top four. Because uh, yeah, you're right. Spurs. Something about them looks like they're about to about to drop off from the from the previous heights. And Man United have always pr- prone to dropping points. And Chelsea didn't even. It just looked crap last week. Well, the good thing for us is every single one of these teams has European football as well, which, mm-hmm. we, which we don't have. And that's a point Pep Guardiola made a few weeks ago that, you know, I think he said that squad without two games a week. Wow. Um, and I agree, Pep. I agree. Not for the first time. <laughs> okay, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to you two in the room with me. It's been a pleasure. We're on Patreon between three and eight pounds a month. Come and join us. Come and get Unicast United fix until the team is back. Speak to you all then. Bye-bye. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.